everyone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Haven Community Church on this holiday weekend that we have here. Um, we have a couple announcements that we want to go ahead and mention. Number one, we want to welcome all our visitors. If you're here visiting, we want to welcome Church Online. As we know, that's probably increased a little bit during this holiday travel weekend. And we want everyone to be safe um, with that. Uh, baby bottles. We still have baby bottles. If you would like to grab them, we are filling those for the Cecil County Pregnancy Center. They went out on uh, Mother's Day, and I believe we are collecting them on June the 2nd. So um, you can fill them with change or whatever else, but that will go to help the Cecil County Pregnancy Center. Also, I want to draw your attention over here. Great job so far. We see the, the Haiti mission trip has already started uh, climbing up, and John is doing a great job of coloring that in, too. Um, so uh, any art teachers would be proud. Um, but you can see that's all going up there. Our goal is $6,000 for a Haven Mission Trip Ministries. So if you'd like to um, con uh, connect to that, you can do that through um, any kind of money designated or a, a check, or also you can um, give online, as you can see that as well. Um, Stephen Ministry, um, we're also looking at the time if anyone would like to become a Stephen Minister, and you can read about that. It's a great opportunity. Our Stephen Ministry is very active and is uh, they're a great gr group of people um, that go ahead and connect. Also, youth group, even though it's a holiday, will be meeting after church. Um, and then next, uh, on Saturday, June the 1st, from, isn't that crazy? We're talking about June. Um, from 9 to 4, uh, the parent drop-off uh, and pick-up, um, and they'll go to Sandy Cove, and there'll be no meeting on the 2nd. Okay, so those are some of our main announcements that we have today. Also, we want to lift up some prayer requests. Uh, Joanne has lifted up for her sister-in-law, uh, Susan Mowry, healing from C. diff infection and kidney stones, and also has Parkinson's. So we want to continue to lift Joanne and her family in prayers. Melinda has asked for safe travels for her uh, little soldier. Where is he? There he is. Ian, um, Ian is up in Fort Drum, and I think it's snowing there today, right, Ian? No, not yet. But if anybody's been up around Fort Drum, it's not going to be long before it snows up there. So, But we're glad that... Um, uh, Ian's here, and just uh, pray for traveling mercies as he returns as well, okay? Um, let's uh, let's go, um, go to the Lord in prayer first, and then we're going to um, also stop to honor uh, Memorial Day. Um, and um, one of the things that we, we forget is, like, one of the things, we, we take everything and make a, about, as Wayne was talking about, picnics and sales, um, don't we? Like, hey, you can get this car, you can get this bed, you can get that thing. Um, and a lot of times we mix up. Uh, the vet Veterans Day uh, with Memorial Day. This is not for veterans, although we're so thankful for our veterans. We honor that in November. Um, this is about Memorial Day where those who paid the ultimate price, who gave their lives up um, so that we may have freedom and we can worship freely and we can do those things and we can have those picnics and all those other kinds of things. But they gave the ultimate price. And it's no mistake that we relate that to, to Christ and his ultimate gift for us. So let's pray and then um, we're going to go ahead and show this video in memory of those who paid the ultimate cost. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you that we can come and worship. And um, we want to lift up these prayer requests, particularly um, for Joanne's uh, sister-in-law, Susan. God, we want to lift up Ian and his safe travels back and all others who um, who are, are in the military and are soldiers who may be in harm's way. And God, we also don't, don't want to be remiss in the fact that right just a, a few uh, a, 
a, a few feet or yards from this place right now, we had a tragic, tragic um, accident this week. And we just pray for peace for that family um, that lost so many, so many young lives. And God, there's so many tragedies that we look at and there's uh, all these other kinds of things. But we know that through it all, God, we can only depend on you. And so as we honor uh those who paid the ultimate cost of this Memorial Day through this video, God, we ask that your presence be here. You guide us and direct us and that you recognize that this is, we're just passing through here. But, God, um, all faith we place in you. In your name, Lord, we pray as we honor your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. stand and worship the Lord.
living all for you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I live by faith and not by sight for you. Washed it well. 
Lord God, but this time we just want to lift up your name and we want to continue to worship as we receive your gifts and your tithe. God, multiply them and use them to further your kingdom here and around the world. As we continue to worship, whether we want to sit down or we want to stand up and continue to worship you, God. It's, uh, it's about a freedom of worship here. And so, Lord, just let us just be free in you. And let us just use these gifts to meet the many needs here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
right, at this time, we're going to go ahead and let our children head to our Haven Kids ministry. And just those around you, just real quick, say hi, and then we're going to go ahead, and our scripture reader will be right here in just a second. is from the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 13 no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both God and money Good morning. Once again, it's good to see you all here on this uh, holiday weekend, and we are going to continue to worship God in our series. We are continuing in our series. We are on week four of What Makes You Happy. And I had somebody the other day ask me, just out of the blue, they were talking to me, and they said, um, what do you think would make you happy? And I said, funny, because I still have no clue. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but I'm working through that. But actually, I did, I did come to a little bit of what we talked about over the last couple of weeks and gave me an opportunity to share. So I want to begin today by asking you some questions again. You ready? Here we go. So, uh, and again, you can, if you want to get these books and participate in a group, we'd love to have you go ahead and do that. And we still have several um, that are around here. So if you're interested, um, you can meet us back there after church. And we'll make sure that you get one. Um, and so what we're looking at here, so what makes you happy? That's the question that we're asking right off the bat. And in week one, I'm, I'm going to test your knowledge, even though I gave you the answers today. Um, what makes you happy? Week one, we talked about, what is it? Everybody loud? It's the first blank. What? 
no thing, no thing, that there's not any one thing that you can buy or have. And if you don't get these first two answers, you're really lame because it's in your bulletin. Okay, so, um, but no thing can truly, truly make us happy. We talked about it's not about stuff. But it's, it's not about a thing, it's about, remember we said Dr. Seuss, a who or two, right? It's, it's you and some others is that we need. The next week, Debbie gave to us the message when I was away, and it's another one. What is it? What makes you happy? Sewing with an O, there we go. Happiness, and we talked a little bit more about this last week, is an outcome, correct? It's an outcome. You have heard it said, you reap what you if you are miserable, chances are you've been sowing misery. If you, and this is one of the things that we've got to be careful of. If we are truly unhappy, then chances are we have been planning a lot of unhappiness in our life. And we may not think what we are. Like we may have started out in, in, a, in an area, may have headed in that area, and then uh, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, we go, oh my gosh, I'm not happy at all. And it's, we need to stop and look back that maybe what we thought was going to make us happy really hasn't in the first place. But the good side of that is, if you're happy, chances are that you've been sowing things that make you happy and don't stop. Keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. So we need to understand what we are sowing. And so... Uh, Last week, I added one more, and this one I didn't give you. I'm going to test to see how smart you are from the week. This one, I said that we have happiness with peace with God. There we go. And what are the other ones? It's God, but ourselves and others, okay? We talked a lot about that. Good. Some of you are good. Some of you are pretty lame. All right? But that's okay. So everybody, we have peace with who? God. There we go. That's the main thing, because everything tends to flow from that. And remember last week, we had... Just in the center over here, and Joe, who was God over here. Okay, remember that? That's the only time you'll ever hear me say that ever again. All right? So today, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about something that, an area of our lives where we relate a lot of happiness to. And, um, and I think probably the area where we relate the a largest amount of happiness to, and we may not fully admit it, is in the area of money. Okay, so in the area of money, and it's an area that we do honestly think, and in our culture, we do think that it's a lot of, that brings a lot of happiness, or it could bring misery, but it's, it really relates to these concepts that we've talked about, about uh, sewing and, um, and the other things that are here, like no thanks. So if we've, we've all thought about this, right, this question, this statement here, I thought I knew that uh, what would make me happy. How many of you ever made that statement or at least had that concept. I thought I knew what would make me happy. So here's the, here's the big takeaway from this. Um, you can't believe everything you think. <laughs> okay, that's a big thing. Because a lot of times we think we know certain things. You ever know people who because they think it, they believe it's gospel truth and you know it's completely wrong? But I thought I knew what would make me happy. How many of you at one point in your life thought that you knew either a thing or a situation or maybe a job or maybe a relationship was going to make you happy and you found out differently. Anybody? Okay. Okay, so there we are. So we've experienced this. But the bottom line is because we've all made decisions based off of what we thought and we ended up wrong. Like we thought that that would be a really good friend. Am I right? We thought that this would be a really good career move. We thought that that would, um, that would have been a great relationship to have. We thought that that 
friend of our kids was a good one, right? That, that boyfriend or girlfriend. We thought about those things. So one of the things is, though, we honestly believe that there's a connection between money and our happiness. Now, you may, you may be sitting here and say, I hear you, Jack, but, uh, you know, we've heard, and many of us have heard, you may have even heard pastors say, money won't make you happy. And you sit there, and you're like, you're right. Money, is, money won't make you happy. And you go, mm-hmm, you're right. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. And the thing is, none of us really believe that, do we? We don't really believe it if we really begin to unpack that. No matter how much we hear, money won't make you happy, there's that part of us that says, "Uh, God, you want to try me out on this, you know? Uh, God, if you just give me a little bit, if you give me some money, man, test me on it, God. Put put me to test, God, and see how good I do with that millions and millions of dollars. Uh, God, if you give me millions of dollars, if I win the lottery, right, I may do that, Remember that one that was like almost a billion dollars? And how many of you already had that sucker spent? And you, the first thing you did, you kind of tried to con God into it by like, God, I'll build a nice new church. God, I will give away to the poor and hungry. If you just, and man, you should see my house, okay, right? You know, we talked about this. We think about this. So we hear money won't make you happy. We go, oh, here, you're right, you're right. But we're like, God, come on, give me some. Let me try it out. And we do that time and time again, because we believe that there is a connection between money and our happiness. But the problem is we mess up, and there is. I'm going to tell you today, there is a connection between our money, our stuff, and our happiness. But it's not what we think. Because what we think the connection is, is in this one word here. I'm going to put that on the screen, right here, this word. More. We think the connection is more. If I had more money, then I this, 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 and I'd be happier, right? If and then. I'd be happier if I made more money. I'd be happier if uh, more money. Now, I want to now I want to show you this how this relationship plays out a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple questions. So this isn't like you got to raise your hand. This is like a mental exercise, okay? So we're going to put your... You're going to work out your brains on this Memorial Day um, weekend, okay? So, like, for instance, let me ask you this question. How much more money would it take to make you happy? How much more money would it take to make you happy? Let me say it a different way here. How much more money would it take to give you peace? How much more money would it take to give you peace? And guess what? You're all thinking different. You think you're thinking different things, but I'm going to tell you the answer that everybody has in here. Ready for this? The answer is simply this. More than you currently have. (laughs) Am I right about that? No matter where you are, if we look, we're probably all on different income levels, but when we have that question, how much money will make us um, happy and how much will give us peace, we all say, no matter where we are, more than I currently have. Right? Did I get it? Did I good? It's like a Kreskin kind of thing here that I'm doing today. All right. So it's more than we currently have. We always answer this way. When I was a, uh, when we were newlyweds and I was a student pastor living in a parsonage and my, my salary was a whopping $14,800, I can tell you more money would have made me happy. Guess what? Today, it ain't that praise God, hallelujah. But guess what? I still say to myself, if I had more, I'd be happier. You with me? Do you agree with me here, at least, that many of us think that it's more than what we actually, actually have? And there is a correlation, as I said, between money and happiness, but it's not more. It's not more. Now, we, we know 
this, um, we know that more money does not truly make us happy, and vice versa. We're not happier if we have more money, because we know some people who are wealthy who are the most miserable people on earth, correct? Don't we? And we know some people who are dirt poor who are like the happiest people ever, okay? Um, and so um, we, know, we know people that, like, you may be going on great vacations, but you're so miserable that your children don't want to go with you. They want to go with the people who are going to a less exotic vacation, but they're more fun to be with because they're happy in life. You, like, like, for instance, you would not want to go to, uh, like, you know, the, the, the top-of-the-line um, place in Hawaii with the most miserable person. You would want to go to, like, Ocean City with somebody who's, like, really fun, Right? You with me? Okay. You're like, I don't know that Hawaii thing, but I, I, I can put up with some misery for a week. But I get, you get it, right? So we have those. So by the end of the message, I'm hoping that we're all going to agree and get our heads um, to our hearts, but that we can model this and put it into practice for ourselves. Because there is a correlation between happiness and, and our money, but it's not more. It's another M word, and it's this word called managed, managed. It's not about how much you have, but about how we manage what we have, and that determines the happiness based off of money. So in this series, we have come up with this concept and been discussing this, that, and I'm going to talk about it now, that anything that undermines our peace undermines our happiness, correct? Remember that? This has been the, the theme, that if we don't have peace in an area of our lives, then we're not going to be happy at all. Not one bit. So if you manage your money poorly, it's a problem for you. And chances are you're not going to have peace there. And if you don't have peace in the financial area, that you are not going to have happiness in that area. You're not going to be like, oh, thank God I have no money and the bill collectors are coming. Hallelujah, praise God. Right? That's not how we, how we react. And Jesus actually talked about this. And Jesus gave us a statement that he kind of said it this way. If we don't manage the money and our stuff that we have, it will manage us. That we don't manage it well, that it will go ahead and manage us. And if it's managing us, then we won't have any peace and we'll feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, we feel anxiety. And when we have anxiety, we don't feel peace. And when we don't have peace, we don't have happiness. Do you see the pattern? Everybody with me here? Okay, so let's look at what Jesus said. Uh, June just read it. Now, today's an odd day because you're going to get primarily one scripture lesson. You can see it looks like really like lots of blanks today. Oh my gosh, he's giving us homework on the holiday. Yeah, okay, I'm giving you a lot today. But we're basing this off of one primary verse that's in scripture, and it's the one that June read for us. And it's a little verse. But listen to what Jesus says here. Jesus says, no one, everybody say no one. No one can serve two masters. Now, we, we see that term and we say, well, that has a lot of weight to it. And we're in a different time and we don't have this kind of master thing. Just like, for instance, let me ask you, how many of you uh, on April, April 15th paid your taxes? Anybody? Okay, you got a master. Okay, just to let you know. There are things that, that master us that we do, we don't want to do, but we do. Am I right? And so we, we do those things. So um, it says, you will either hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Notice Jesus is talking about two masters in life. Okay? He says you either love one and despise the other. You'll be devoted to one and not the other. And so Jesus is telling them, telling them to a group of people. So if they were sitting here, they'd have their little blanks out and writing down what Jesus wants them to fill in the blanks. And they're saying, oh, no, two masters can't serve. Okay, go ahead. So Jesus says, 
You cannot serve two masters. Who are those two masters? Here it is. You ready? You cannot serve both God and money. Stop. Some of you are King James people. I'm going to tell you this is a good translation here. The better translation here is that term mammon. But I don't think any of us have used mammon. I'm 48 years old. I've never used it outside of church. Right? Have you ever said, oh, wow, look at all our mammon. Nobody's ever used that. Anybody ever used that in the terminology? Okay. So what is mammon? Mammon is money, but it's stuff. It's, it, you add all the stuff you got. You know, it's all that, all that stuff that you sell at yard sales when you're tired of it. All that stuff that you move from house to house when you move. It's your mammon. It's all your stuff. It's all your stuff that you had. So he said, you can't serve God, and if it works better for you, and stuff, and all that, all that kind of thing. So um, it's the stuff that you want, it's the stuff you have, and it's the money that you want to use to buy more stuff. I've always loved the concept of yard sales. People put out their junk that they're done with so other people can buy their junk that they can go ahead and bring somebody else's junk that they're done with home so they can go ahead and sell their junk to somebody else. Isn't it like a great circle, right? If you want to realize how important your stuff, your mammon is to you, see what happens after you pass away. After you pass away, your family may have a yard sale. And then afterwards, they take all your stuff and lay out and put a sign that says free. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, right. So stuff that meant, um, that meant so much to people. So no one can serve two masters. Jesus says you either serve God or your mammon, your stuff. So Jesus' way of thinking is this. The chief competitor for your devotion to God is mammon. It's mammon. Everybody say, I want to make you say it with me. Your chief competitor to, to obedience to God is Don't you feel good saying that word? Okay, mammon. Seems like you want it on like a roll or something. Give me some mammon on a roll. All right? So um, that's what it is. It's that money and it's that stuff. And Jesus says you'll either love and serve God or your stuff. And you may be saying, now, wait a second, Jack. I don't serve my stuff. and I don't serve my money. But let's, you know, even if you're not a Christian, I think Jesus gives us some really, really good things that we can look at here. And let's look at how, what Jesus is doing. He's defining love for us here. I want to unpack this again. So I'm going to put the same verse up again. You're going to see it a couple times. But I want to put it back up again, and I want to look at it. Look what he says. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. And what does he call love? Love for Jesus is you will be devoted to. For Jesus, the definition of love here is that you have a devotion to. In other words, you have an attachment to, a connection, a quest for, that you've got your eye on it, that your decisions are kind of filtered through that. I remember when I was younger, I used to get really upset. Melissa and I were actually talking about this week, that when we would sell a car, I would be like really emotional. Like, oh my gosh, there goes a car. Anybody remember that? Like it was your parents' car, and it, like, it was hanging on by the duct tape, and you're like, oh, that's my car. You know, right? Anybody here? Am I the only weird one? Okay, okay. All right, that explains a lot. All right. Um, so, um, but, but I had that stuff. Now, some of you may be devoted to... Um, some things. Jesus says, you're pretty devoted to your stuff. There's some stuff that you really, really, really like. For instance, leave the house without your phone. It's like you forgot to put on your clothes, isn't it? Like, how am I going to survive? I can't Snapchat people that I'm standing in the line, right? You panic, don't you? How many of us panic? What if you showed up to work and you left your laptop at home? (gasps) 
of you lived a little long, a little time without a phone, without this thing? I remember thinking my dad was ancient because he was born before television. Right? My kids think I'm ancient because they're like, you were born before the internet? That's where we've gone now. Have you recognized that? And so we all are old now because of that. But we survived. To let you know, history survived a long, long time. One of the first churches I served, they didn't have air conditioning. That was one of the greatest things I was able to do, get air conditioning. Hallelujah. I remember preaching, and they had, some of you might remember this, I had fans all over me. And I stood up, and I said, they never prepared me to preach in a wind tunnel. But that's what I felt like. And the people would be sweating like, nope, that's, we don't need any air conditioning. It feels good in here. No, it does not. Right? But for some reason, they were like, no, it's good. You know, we want to sweat. And you have to wear, like, suits and everything else. Anybody with me here? The sweatier, the more holy you are. I guess it's like purging you. Who knows? Right? But thank God, once that air conditioning got in, you had some of the people like, it's too cold. And the other people like, thank God, hallelujah. Some people were free in worship. And let me tell you, it's much better to stand next to the person who raised their hands when you got air conditioning than when you don't. All right? All right, so just letting you know. All right. So um, anyway, we are pretty devoted to our stuff and to the acquisition of our stuff. And so there's a question that I want to ask you here. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something? Has your desire for something in life ever, ever caused you to do something? And you may say, okay, um, so, so what, are you, what are you talking about, Jack? Well, let's look at this one. Let's look at this question. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something stupid? Now, notice I didn't put a comma there. I'm not calling you stupid. Okay? Like, for instance, get it. Has your desire for anything ever caused you to do something stupid? Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. Has, how many have ever done anything stupid because you desired something? All right? There were people who didn't raise their hand, they're lying, okay? Because um, we've all done something stupid for our quest for something, for a desire for something. It may have been an individual that you did something stupid for because you desired them. It may have been a job. It may have been, um, you know, like you're in, in a, I was thinking, of, when I was putting this down, I was thinking about um, Mary Decker, remember her? The runner who was running and Zola, wasn't it Zola Bud tripped her as they were running? because she wanted to win the race, okay? And some of you remember that. Um, so there we go. To do something, you would, to get, a lot of times there are people who will do anything to get something. You remember a couple years ago, I mean, several years ago, when the mother, there was a, a cheerleading group down, down in Texas, I think, and the mother hired a hitman to kill the mother of the, her daughter's competitor? Stupid, Right? That is so dumb, but we have that stuff happen all the time. Not to that level, but we do stupid things all the time. So um, what about this one? Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something you regret? All right, anybody want to get in that same boat with me on this one? Because there's plenty of those things. For So what we're looking at here and what Jesus is telling us is that our desire for equals our devotion to. When we desire something, we kind of get tunnel vision around it. And we want it more than anything. And in those moments, what we find out, when we're so tunnel focused, and when we desire something so much, it tends to master us. And so you may be asking yourself right now, okay, then Jack, why do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you, okay? Um, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to leave you standing there and, and unknowing. So why do we do that? 
Well, we do it for a number of things because it begins with this. It begins with this first term, and this first term is called discontentment. Discontentment. That's where we start to. We start with discontentment. And, um, and so as we start with discontentment, what discontentment does is it ensures that I'm never going to be satisfied with what I have. That's what advertising is based off of. I know some people in here did advertising like I did as well. It is geared to tell you you need and can't exist without stuff that you don't have. And if you have it, your life will be better. Correct? Like, have you ever gone, like, to the mall? I mean, just walked in the mall? And, you, and, and here's the thing with discontentment. You know what you have. Okay? You know what you have, and you know what others have. And because you know what others have, you want it. Right? Keeping up with the Joneses, as they say. That's what you want to do. And, and you need it so much when you see something. And you ever get to that point that in your head you keep saying, like, you see it, and you're like, that's cool. And you're like, I need that. I want that. Like, you know, one of the things that I really, really want is a GPS drone. I have no use for it. But I think it's really cool. I don't want one that i got to pilot myself because I've had a little one like that and I crashed it in like in five minutes. You do not want me to be your, your pilot. And I'm just letting you know. But the drones, they go, I just want to take pictures of my house and be like, isn't this cool? And you go, yeah, that's cool. What are you going to do with it? Nothing. But I want it. Anybody with me? Anybody think drones are really cool? Okay, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, drones are really, really cool. And, uh, you know, it would be, like, cool to, like, go over people's houses and go away. And they're like, ah, okay, I don't know. I just think it's cool. But anyway, that's, that's where it is. But um, so what, what discontentment does, ultimately, is discontentment, what it drives is awareness. And we become aware, and when we become aware of something, we become discontent. For instance, as we're walking in the mall, we're walking in the mall, and we look and we see something, we go, oh, I didn't know they had that. I need that. Now you're aware and you're like, oh my gosh, I wonder if Amazon has it cheaper. Oh, where else can I get this? Oh, prime delivery. I'm part of that. I need it. I need it right. Oh, they're going to do one day prime delivery? Hallelujah. Thank God they're probably in the distribution center in Perryville, right? We go through all this kind of stuff, and we're telling ourselves, because now we are aware. Do you remember the first time you saw an iPhone? And you're like, oh, my flip phone is from the devil, right? Unless some of you are still using that, we'll pray for you, okay? But, but we needed it. We wanted it. We had to have it. And now most of the people in this room, I dare say, have a smartphone. Am I right? And you know what the smartphone does? Makes us dumber. Yeah. We don't have to memorize telephone numbers anymore, do we? You remember when you had to know your telephone number and everybody else's? Do you remember when you actually had to know knowledge or you had to go look it up in an encyclopedia Kids, an encyclopedia is a book. It's in a library. A library is a place that holds a book. Okay, so you, you get what I mean. Now what do we do? We even come up with a term, Google it. If I told you that 30 years ago, I'm going to Google it, you would call the police and have me arrested. Right? But that's where we are today. And we're, we're there. I remember my grandmother. I went to the, and I'm going to tell you this is how old I am because I want to say the Mac machine. 
but you know it's an ATM, okay? And I went to the ATM, still a Mac machine in my mind, and you go up, and I put the card in, and I got money out. I went and sat in the car next to her and was going to take her to dinner, and she looked at me like I had three heads and said, you just stick that thing in there and they give you money? I said, oh, if it was that easy, my mom, you know, right? She had no concept. She was born in 1911. She didn't care. She said, there's always a dot-com to something, right? She was perturbed by it. Okay, you see what I mean? So we, we see it, and we want to have it, and we need it. And so, um, so you know, when we, when we become aware of something and we have a desire for it, that happens in about 30 seconds, and it stays in our mind. And that leads to something else that we have here. The second thing is this G word, greed. Greed. You can't see greed in ourselves. Like, we look in the mirror, and we don't say, man, you are one greedy sucker. We don't see that in ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, most of us in this room are greedy at some level. Jesus, in, and you can jot this down some other time. I don't have it on the screen, but it's uh, Luke 12, 15. Jesus says, beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. You see, Jesus defines greed as this. The assumption that it's all for my consumption. That everything that I have is for my my consumption. If it's in my hands, then it's for me. And generosity is when I open up and give a little bit out to you because it's all mine. Mine, 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 mine. Here you go. Here's a little bit and I'm generous. And that's the mindset that we have. What I, we have this mindset of he or she who dies with the most toys wins. He or she who dies with the most toys dies and leaves a lot of toys for people to fight over. At a yard sale, and then free. Yeah, you go. Bring it full circle. Hallelujah. See, God's in the midst of it. So, so when we have that, we, it, if everything, think about it. If everything came that comes to you is for you, you will use it on you. Okay? And you won't stop. Because the next thing that comes will go for you. And the next thing that comes will go for you. And the next thing will be about you. And it's about you and about you and about you and about you and about you. And it's all about you. Greed and desire for the stuff is an appetite. And what I've learned about appetites, they never fully go away. You can calm them down for a little bit. Like how many of you have ever been to a smorgasbord? Where you heat that plate. And you've eaten to the point where you're miserable and you're like, right? But you're like, I'm going to cram that dessert in. <laughs> and what happens, after you, what happens after you're home for a couple hours? I'm hungry again. That appetite is there. And that's what greed is. Greed is, it's mine, 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 mine. I got it all. Oh, wait, I need that too. I need that too. It's mine. It's me. It's me. You can have this, but it's me. And that's not what Jesus required. We never stop and our appetite never ever runs out when we are greedy. And that leads to this third one. And this third one is the D word, debt. Debt. Basically, I want to share with you something. I want, I want to share with you two terms. I want and I owe. And I want to tell you something. They both bring tension. When you want something, I want that. You're like, it's bugging me. I want it. Want it. I want it. But I.O. brings attention that is worse. Because both have this tension, but uh, I.O. is worse because you can't pay for it. And it 
it's a tension that stays there. Debt is where you become a slave to your desire. And it, and it leads to slave, being a slave to your desire. I want is between you and God. Right? I want is between you and God and whoever you share with. And once, here's one of the things that I'm going to tell you that's not, that's not going to be fun. Once I want becomes I owe and becomes, it becomes that way, then you owe somebody, then you have a debtor. And you're, you're in that thing. And God will side with them. Scripturally, God sides with them because you owe them. And you say, wait a second, Jesus, you shifted it up. He said, I told you, stay in the I want. Don't get to the I owe. Don't get to the I owe. And so, you know, here we are again. We're in this whole kind of area that says, you know, if I'm a slave to owing people, I'm, my peace is destroyed because I'm always fighting to keep up and fighting to pay and fighting to get this and just when you say, oh, I saved up a little bit, then the car breaks down, and you're like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. And then when you saved up a little bit more, and then the kids need braces, and you're like, oh, my gosh, can we use glue and paper clips, you know? Or so, you know and, and you're like, my gosh, where does it stop? And you, that tension is there, and you feel the weight of that debt in amazing, horrific ways. You see... The reason why we talk about debt is because I found, um, I found some information about, just some, some little bit of information uh, on debt. Uh, it's, um, it started off by, this article said, the famed patriot Patrick Henry proclaimed, give me liberty or give me death at America's founding. And they said, these days the country's motto has changed to forget financial liberty and give me debt. Um, the American household hit a record, and this is in 2018, where they had 13.21 trillion in debt, and they show what it would be like a check. Check that is shared by 300 million people, and um, they go through a whole thing of who's most likely to be in debt. Those under the age of 35 owe 67,400, an average of 67,400 dollars. Those who are 35 to 44 owe an average of 3,300. Thousand um, forty-five to fifty-four, thirty-four um, uh, hundred thirty-four thousand six hundred, fifty-five to sixty-four oh, one hundred eight thousand uh, dollars, sixty-five to seventy-four it starts to drop a little bit, sixty-six thousand, and those seventy-five and up, those seventy-five and up owe an average of around thirty-five thousand dollars, still in debt. In debt. When we look at some of the other breakdown of um, of different people, um, student loan debt. Student loan debt. About 66% of students who earn a four-year degree in 2017 took out loans um, and owed an average of $28,500 um, when they got their cap and gowns. Now, keep in mind that's spread out. That might seem low because it's spread out through everybody who gets full-ride scholarships and those who don't. So um, not everybody is paying what we find out. Um, of the uh, 42.2 million people with federal student loans, 2.7 million owned at least $100,000. So they're coming out trying to get a job with $100,000. Some of you had kids who just got through school saying, amen, I know it, right? And it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, the Federal Survey of Consumer Finances showed that 22.4% of families had student loan debt in 2016 compared to 1989 when only 8.9% had that. And this blew my mind here. The average family owed 
about uh, $5,400 in debt in 1989, and that has ballooned till 2016 as $34,200. The adjusted inflation, that is a threefold increase in an average monthly cost of $339 a month. We are, in, we are a country that is in debt, and so many of us are are struggling with that. Many of us have the weight of that. That's why we do things like Debbie Leads Financial Peace to help people kind of remanage. Remember, that's the term, to remanage it. And uh, those who have been part of that said, oh my gosh, this is fantastic that we just remanage our, our money in the way um, that God wants us to. So how do we, we do that? We, let's look at these three words together. I want to show them here real quick, these three words. We've got discontentment, We've got greed and we've got debt. Now I want to ask you, which one of these makes you happy? Are you discontented? Are you like, um, I, I love seeing everything I don't have and I'm so glad the neighbors have it all. Oh man, that makes me happy. Now, how many of you say, um, say greed? I want to consume, 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 and you're constantly on that consumption deal. How many get really happy by consuming and consuming? And debt, how many say, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to go to the mail. There's going to be more credit card bills. There's going to be more collectors. Hallelujah, praise God, give me debt, yes. None of these make us happy, but many of us live that way, and we wonder that we're right. There is a connection. And guess what? More money's not going to take care of it, because you know what they found out? Statistically, when we have more money, we have more debt, because it makes us eligible for more debt. And so we we borrow more and we continue to do that. So, here's what I'm going to tell you. Stop it. That's God's word. Stop it. Money and happiness do work, but we got to do away with these three things. So here's the question. What amount will do with any do away with any amount of discontentment or any greed or any debt? None. Amount it doesn't address this. It's management. Not amount. Let's look at what Jesus said again. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and, ma- and your stuff, mammon, or money. If you take everything that Jesus said about money, and Jesus said an awful lot about money, and if you take everything in the Old Testament which Jesus built upon, it's condensed in two words, and I'm going to give it to you here as we wind this up today. Generosity and wisdom. If you find people, no matter what amount they have, if they're generous and they're wise with what they have, they tend to be happy people because they tend to be people who are at peace. Now, I want you to take those two words and I want you to contrast it with discontentment, with greed and debt. Which one sounds better to you? Generosity and wisdom or the other three? You see, there is that connection. There is that connection between happiness and money. And it comes through generosity and wisdom. And so there's a, a, a little thing that I want to share from you that Andy Stanley shares in the series that I think is really powerful. And he's, they share it with, um, with much of their finances here as we uh, head down this last path of today. Number one, there's these, there are three words. Give, save, and live. Everybody say that with me. Give, save, and live. Give, save, and live. So if we look at this... Um, they're from scripture. If we give, and that's not wait for something to give, that's give right away. You get the money, and you go ahead and said, I am not going to let you control me. You are not going to be my master. I'm going to give some away today. It's God's theory. Give some away. All right? Now, if we have the idea that it's mine, it's all mine, then we're going to hoard it up. 
But we immediately say, nope, I'm not going to let you control me. I won't, you will not be my master. And we give some away. Anybody like, like to give? You like to give? Like I get more excited about giving gifts at Christmas than I do about getting them. Trust me, I like getting them, particularly if it's going to be that drone with the GPS. But I, I like giving stuff because I think about the gifts that I want to give. And how awesome is it that I can not, could not let money control me, but that sometimes when I reach in my pocket and, I, and I've, I've had situations where there's somebody who is just talking about, like, I know their life and I know they're struggling, and I just have a $20 bill. And believe me, Melissa's really got us on this financial piece, and we are really focusing on budgeting, and it's amazing what's happening. And do I like it? No. It's much easier to swipe, I'm telling you. Much easier to swipe in life. But the results are incredible because it's what God has told us to do. But there are sometimes when I have my allowance for the month, right? And that's what I'm going to call it. And, and I make it work. That sometimes there's somebody here, and I know I have this amount of money that I've got for the month, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to me, and I'm talking to them, and I know that they need it. It is so freeing to take that $20 bill and give to them and say, I don't care. And guess what? I still make it. Do I look like I'm missing a meal? No. All right? It's freedom, freedom to give that to them. So we give. We give, and what giving does, giving always brings joy. Giving always brings joy. Always does. Discontentment, greed, and debt never bring joy. Ever. Ever, ever bring joy. The second thing is save. So you give right off the top to God and to others that you want to. And guess what? Having money in the bank leads to peace of mind. A friend of mine once said he didn't believe that money made you happier. He said it just makes life easier. If you got that cushion in the bank, it makes you go, okay, I can breathe a little bit. Even just a little bit, right? A little bit. Saving results in peace, and peace results in happiness. Happiness. Discontentment, greed, and debt don't end in peace. They don't even start there. They help peace not happen. And live, and this is the last thing I'm going to share, live brings, fitting word for today, freedom. It brings freedom brings freedom in your life. Why? Because you're not living beyond your means. That's what everybody wants us to do in, in, in our world. Live beyond our means. Try to explain that to your great-grandparents who grew up in the Depression about living beyond your means, right? I, I always loved the fact that my grandmother went one time and Sears had where you could get a 25% off. She was 80-some years old. She went to fill out the credit card application and they turned her down. She was mad as a hornet. You know Why? Because she grew up in a depression mentality and paid cash for everything. She didn't live beyond her means. She did what she had to. And my grandfather probably saved 75 cents, if not more, of every dollar with a fifth or sixth grade education. But he understood some principles of have and have not. They would, many, of, many of those of the people before would be appalled by how we, how we stretch ourselves and we put that weight on ourselves. And God doesn't want that for his children. So this is how you make your life happy with money. You make it happy by giving and having joy, by saving and having peace, by living and having freedom. Now imagine if you do this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that you give generously, that you sow in to others what you have. One of the coolest things that I have as an opportunity as a pastor, thanks to many of you, is there are times when there are people who are down down, down, who need something. They need a leg up. 
And we have taken it as part of our ministry to help them get on a good path. To not only put a Band-Aid on it, but to say, hey, we're going to meet a need. We're going to meet a need, and we're going to go ahead and make sure. We're going to find out how we can help you from that. And you should see the look on people's face when they don't have to worry about rent for a month. When they, when they realize that their kids can have clothing. When they don't have to decide about food or, or their kids' uh, school stuff. We don't think about that. That's in our own community. And we get bombarded by it every day because there's a need. And I'm thrilled that I think, I think when we looked at missions locally and, and nationally and around the world, that this church gives away somewhere near 40%. It's like 39%. 39%. Just to let you know, a tithe's 10, but we're like, hey, this is our offering too. That's awesome because, that, because why God has blessed us and we're going to go ahead and keep the same thing. And keep doing that. All right, y'all good? Money does contribute to your happiness if you manage it well. And God's given us um, these gifts. Let's go ahead and do that. Make it a happy, happy, uh, happy life, right? Happy life, happy Jack. Okay, let's stand up. Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord one more time. This is one of those songs where I wish I could just do this the whole time. Not, not play piano at all, but you know, it just wouldn't sound as good. So, so you know, just you guys lift your hands this morning. You know, this is one of those things that we, I think we're afraid to do in church these days, you know, but it's, it's all about giving our, our, our offering to God this morning. It's all about, you know, we're here to worship you, God. We're here to surrendering you in victory and giving our all to you, Lord. So, so you guys are my hands this morning because I got to do this instead of this. You know, I wish I could do both, but you know, I need four hands. So let's all sing together.
pray that everybody will have a safe uh, and enjoyable Memorial Day. Again, not forgetting those who paid the ultimate price. And um, may you just be free in Christ and have a wonderful time together with family and friends um, this, this holiday weekend with safe travels. Next week, we're going to continue our series. And um, it, if you're following along in the group, it's going to be called Shoes, but I didn't like the term, so it's going to be called It's My Pleasure. And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. All right? Have a great week. I don't like feet, that's why. Chapel, go back and forth, finding myself.